Coming up, as draft rumors begin to buzz, we take a look at the Brooklyn Nets trading away veterans, maybe pursuing other options on the draft board. It's all happening, friends, as the draft is less than two days away. We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR. For all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Arbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast. My boy, Andy Mack, we thank you for making us your first listen of the day free on all those great platforms. And let you know today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. And Doug, where we start to wind down the clock towards draft night is with what feels like building rumors around how Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets are going to approach this draft, trying to make deals active on the trade market ahead of Thursday. Yeah, look, things are definitely heating up. I'm not sure there's been a ton more clarity around like sort of how the board is shaking out. That that, that seems to be very much uh, a fluid work in progress, a living document, if you were, if you will. Yeah. But um, we are starting to land on some more like real rumblings around you know what teams are trying to move where. One of those is the Nets, Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN, uh, who does a lot of their draft coverage, you know, specifically around the draft rankings and the mocks and stuff like that and scouting, um, had said that, that the Nets were essentially actively pursuing uh, situations where they could see themselves like he could see them actively pursuing trades here um, as the as the as the draft just sort of leads up in, into Thursday. And that can mean a lot of different things. Um, I think, you know, there's speculation around what exactly, you know, that means for the nets, like, does it mean packaging picks and moving up? Does it mean that like, they're just looking for a player? I, you know, there's, there's a bunch of different stuff here, but we're in a situation where really there's real smoke, I think around a or maybe a fire with smoke around the nets. Maybe not when it comes to Thursday, taking 21 and 22 back to back, likely we've been assuming they would do, you know, for the better part of a month plus or more, you know, (laughs) really since really since we started mocking this out. Yeah, it's interesting because, and we've talked about the different scenarios of trading up, et cetera. So we've ended up covering a lot of these prospects. But to your point about where the boards are, they're still, as you have to, you can't you can't assume everybody makes trades. But when you look at the Brooklyn Nets and you talk about 21 and 22, it's so hard for me to look at who's being mocked there and have this one-to-one association that those are the players that make the most sense for the Nets, especially as you're hearing this all unfold. When it comes to, it's funny, because you say when it comes to the Nets being active on the trade market coming up to the draft, there's two lines of thinking around this. Dorian Finney-Smith and Royce O'Neal, we've we've clearly established that they are veteran players that make a lot of sense for a lot of teams, and you assume there can be conversations there. The other part of it is, we started to hint at this thinking beyond the pursuit of Damian Lillard, beyond Bradley Beal going to Miami, uh, to, to the Suns, excuse me, and that was fallout from big trades, right? You're now hearing that maybe Portland is thinking about trying to talk to the Clippers about a Paul George. So no matter what, it sounds like big trades are going to happen here. 
And I think the Nets, based on where they are, what their timeline looks like, the patient approach they're having, I'm almost wondering if they're going to nibble around the fringes here and say, well, after you make the big trade, who are guys on your roster that don't make sense anymore? And are they right age-wise, maybe the right fit-wise, that we can flip our veterans and then bring in guys, right? Because the roster is still going to need to get filled out here. Yeah, yeah. I think things are pointing that way. And I think there's been other moves that um, the Nets have made this offseason that aren't even necessarily draft-related that yeah. point to a path that they've sort of taken. We can talk, I mean, we'll talk about that here shortly. But, you know, I think that as much as fans and, and maybe some parts of the just NBA – I don't know, media sphere has sort of wanted to attach the Damian Lillard thing here, and it could still very well happen. There's just so many things pointing, not really pointing in that direction right now. Um, that I sort of would be shocked actually if it, if it actually piled, they piled it all together now, just based on all this other stuff, like you know this, you know specific news around Nets actively pursuing a trade about moving up in the draft like they're like like that's real that's a real piece of news that's not moving up in the draft to get Damian Lillard it's moving in the trap it's extremely active and seeking to move up um which means they just might have a draft guy in mind more than anything else that would not point to an organization that's looking to pile these picks together as part of a bigger deal to land Lillard which by the way they would probably kind of need to do <laughs> right like that like that not like they would need to do it but that would be for sure, a starting point in, in, in a Damian Lillard deal. You have these just two first-round picks that you can unload right away mm -hmm. uh, for Lillard. The fact that like that's not even being doesn't even seem like it's being floated, and we're pretty close. And a totally different thing is being floated yeah. with now forty-eight hours or so to go. We're recording this Tuesday evening. I don't know. That's that that's pointing to signs to me that I think I know where this is going. And then and then it, and it could mean a fallout with DFS and guys like Royce and Royce O'Neal as well. I'll make a point before we move on to the things that are trending in a certain direction. It feels like if we're trying to read the tea leaves accurately, um, there's, there's two curveballs that I'll throw just so we make sure we cap it off. Cause I don't think we'll touch back on this again and take it with the, the spirit it's intended. One, the Brooklyn nets are looking to package up 21 and 22 to get up the board so that when they make an offer for Damian Lillard, they actually have the 12th overall pick in this year's draft to put into that package Fair as enough. opposed to 21 and 22. That would be a legitimate reason. I don't think that's what's happening here, but it would be more appetizing to Portland to say, well, at 12, we could get Derek Lively. We could get, you know, Coolabelli. We could get name, name players you want, right? Guys that we've talked about the Nets want to trade up to go get. That's more attractive potentially to Portland than having these two picks in the 20s that they could utilize, but more than likely would want to flip into turn into something else. That's that's a really fair. Let me just cut you off. I'm sorry to recut you off here. No. I'm not really cutting you off. I'm just gonna. That's a really fair point that I actually hadn't considered, and I that actually flips my thinking a little bit here around that. Is that moves the obviously? Yeah, no. But consolidating that into one better player doesn't necessarily that player mean that player needs to come to the Nets, right? Mm -hmm. And like that would be a more attractive thing. So I'm totally with you on that. Had not even considered that really as a possibility. Um, but that makes me a little less dismissive of the move as a as a signal that this other thing isn't happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like I think that I've taken that as a signal that this other thing wasn't happening. But you saying that makes me want to walk that, that statement back at least a couple steps because I think you're correct. I like to have that door just get open back up just a tiny bit, just to see, just for a chance. Coming up here in a second, we're going to talk about the packaging of those picks, what it signals, and why other moves made this offseason by the Brooklyn Nets point the needle, if not fully, certainly largely in a very particular youth-moving direction.
All right, before we get to that, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, you got to figure out how much time you're spending on yourself in a given week. You got a lot of responsibilities. There's family, there's jobs, there's balance. There's just a balance of those two. And sometimes you can just get left out. You know, you're trying to figure out what everyone needs from you. You're not really trying to figure out what you need from yourself. This is where you need to go try BetterHelp. If you benefited from therapy, make sure that you get back into it with BetterHelp here. They've, they've figured this thing out. They've made it very, very easy. And we all could just take a chance to just go in there and just learn about ourselves, learn about positive coping skills, learn how to set boundaries, learn how to empower yourself on a day-to-day basis. If you're thinking of starting therapy, Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient. It's super flexible. It's suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you know you're going to be matched with someone that works for you. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off of your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. And, of course, a reminder, as always, all throughout draft day on Thursday and draft night, the Locked On Network is going to have you covered from the NBA Big Board to the Locked On NBA podcast to Locked On Nets. It's going to be happening. It's going to be a lot of fun. And you know that yours truly is also going to be in the city getting some coverage. And possibly, man, tomorrow, um, Doug doesn't know this because I got the insider information. They do have a, a small media session on Wednesday. And the most just exciting one for me potentially would be Kula Belly is going to be there. It doesn't matter whether or not the Nets are going after him. I just would love to talk to him because I like him as a prospect. I like what Rafael Barlow talked about. So maybe there's a chance that we get to give some of that extra content to you. Um, on the, the last footnote, before we turn the attention to why this is all going youth, when you hear that Portland is rumored to be talking with maybe the Clippers about pursuing a Paul George and putting that third pick there, and you hear Adrian Wojnarowski on ESPN saying, yeah, like people have been throwing, man, the offers. They're wet and wild for Mikhail Bridges, and the, the Nets keep beating them back with a stick. Is there, you know, for the last time, is there ever going to be a point here where you go, guys, it, it, it's time to pull the trigger on this trade? I, I Everything tells us he's not going anywhere, and I'm not saying I want him to go anywhere, but it just sounds like these offers are building to that kind of level you and I have talked about, about, man, at a certain point, you almost got to look at it and say, how could we not do this? Oh, I'm sure there's like, I, I don't know if the offer would ever come, but there would have to be an offer that you'd have to at least sit and sit behind closed doors and use some truth serum on each other to really yeah. know if you're going to take it. Again, I think Bridges, we've been over, we've been down this road many times. So I'm not going to go too far into this. I will just say that where Bridges is concerned, it's he represents weirdly one of these guys where, you know, analog draft packages that we've seen in the past, like don't really matter because like he already means more to the organization than yeah. just in like, 30 I, games. I'll take, take random guys that like are just, you know, DeJounte Murray, Pascal Siakam to some degree, like these other guys that are re- rumored to be, mur- uh, uh, be traded. I I already weirdly think bridges means more to the organization that like those guys do to yep. their current current organizations. I'm just picking sort of two random guys, but not really. You know, if I'm just thinking about like how they're maybe viewed in the eyes of the fandom, how they're maybe viewed in the eyes of the of the front office. I just think bridges. Paul George, <laughs> Paul George, uh, kind of like most people, kind of like most guys. To be honest with you, I, yeah. I think that most bridges weirdly it took them, you know. 20 minutes but he weirdly fell into he weirdly fell into this range of guys that you just kind of can't trade because everyone kind of loves them from yeah. the fans to the and that and that just makes you worth more and so i just don't think they would get a because because other teams aren't going to factor that in 
and they're just going right. to give whatever the real world value is. And I just think that it would need to be 20% more than whatever yeah. the reality is or something uh, like that. And I, I 100% agree with you. It's just I wanted to make sure, right? We, we, it'd be almost a disservice not to at least touch on it as, as all of these rumors are continuing sure. to build. Now, when we think about packaging these picks, and we, we've talked about moving up the board, we're also hearing about Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith. Let's start on the two players first here. because These things almost work in tandem to me because you can take one pick and Dorian Finney-Smith, the other and Royce O'Neal. Are you of the mind and this is where it comes into what you talked about weeks back when it related to the coaching staff. Are you of the mind of it's okay to keep one of them around? And for me, it's Royce O'Neal because he showed so much versatility. Even though you want to get younger, it's all right to have a functional veteran. And guess what? The other veterans, Joe Harris, Patty Mills, are not functional. Or is it just, listen, let's get the value for these guys right now and we'll figure out how we use that capital later. I mean, if first-round picks are coming through the door for these guys, I'm all for just moving off of it, uh, especially this year. And I've listened to so much draft coverage over the last, like, 48 hours specifically that it is all bleeding together for me. Although, uh, <laughs> But this is going to piggyback something that we've already talked about. This draft in itself is so wing-heavy that I, I just think that you just can draft other wings, yeah. <laughs> right? Like yeah. in, in this draft and, and the nets already have guys at 20, you know, maybe they're going to be more raw than, than DFS or Bruce O'Neill. Some might have more upside than both of them. I just don't think like marrying yourself to like, just got three and D wings and Royce is a little bit more than that. Um, but, but not tons. I just think that this is a draft where they can actually be pretty replaceable um, pretty quickly. And if you were just going to get other, you know, future assets for them now, I I'd just be all for that in the in the form of first round picks. I, it's always fine to have them. If I had to choose between them, I'd much rather keep O'Neill. I just do think he is a little bit more versatile, and so he can add just a little piece of some things the Nets probably still need, short of other moves. But I, I also just think that the way this draft is setting up, these guys. Like sort of functional replacements for both these guys are going to sit there at 21, 22, if that's what you wanted to do anyway. Yeah. And at that point, like, why not just get an extra asset, get off the money and and just kind of get a little younger in the process? I don't think it's a huge deal. One thing I think that's interesting, too, is and I brought this up in, pre in a previous episode about recouping a 2024 draft pick, which the Nets don't have. But then when you hear the way that draft class, at least in this moment, is talked about, you go. Maybe it doesn't matter if we have a draft. Like the Nets may have gotten lucky in having the year when they don't have their own draft pick be a year when it could be one of the weaker classes. Now, it doesn't mean there's still talent there and you don't want to have that flexibility, but it does then open the door, right? So from Joe Mullinox and myself, right up the chain of command, all the way to the highest level of ESPN. Now you're hearing Memphis and Tyus Jones, and they want to find him a place where he can be a, a starting point guard. That starts to become interesting to me. And, and I said it at the time that, it kind of doesn't matter to me whether or not I think Tyus Jones is the long-term answer at point guard for the Nets. He's on an expiring $14 million contract. What does matter is, again, from all accounts, the Nets could send a Royce O'Neal or a Dorian Finney-Smith and get back Tyus and maybe something else as well in a trade like that, knowing we can pass him through. We can wait till the deadline and see how things start, right? He's a smaller guard, but all the sample size suggests that as a starting point guard, he is far more valuable than he was coming off the bench. And that was proven in John Morant's absence. D does a trade like that interest you relative to saying we can package up a Dorian Finney-Smith in 21 to get to pick X in the draft? 
Uh, it's like not a huge needle mover, but it's interesting. I mean, the Nets could definitely use at this point, almost no matter what, could use guard play. I, yeah. Even if they were going to be bad, <laughs> they could probably just use another guy that can play point guard. I, like, you know, we saw there at the end of the year, they just don't ha- really have any on-ball creation. I don't necessarily think Tyus is that guy. He's pretty small, yeah. um, good in transition, can kind of can run half-court pick and roll. Um, it's not like going to be, he's not going to send you like, you know, push you over the mountaintop or anything like that. Um, so it's, it's, I'd be fine with it if it didn't feel like it was paying anything for the future, right? 27 years old. He's kind of a thing. I get a little worried about guys coming from systems like from Memphis where they're so it's one of these, just like, it's sort of like the heat thing too. It's like, do you really want to buy guys who were in these like perfect schematic mm. situations with great coaching and they <laughs> right. all they are always better than the sum of their parts because everything about the systems works so well. It's like, do you really want Caleb Martin or is it just like, he's a <laughs> Miami guy, right? Like, yeah. is it like, is, it Mac, is, is Max Struess a really great player or is it more? Cause he played Miami. I, I feel like I a little bit about the Grizzlies just because, like they improved when John Morant didn't play. That shouldn't make sense. It doesn't make any sense. Or they improved. They were like really good without him. Yeah. And the system just works really well. So I always get a little worried about guys like that where I'm like, I don't know. We don't have Taylor Jenkins as the coach and more than my or or the Memphis analytic department. And would he look as good in a net uniform? It's unclear. I, I think those are my only concerns with it's only I only think that about a couple organizations. The Heat are definitely one of them. I would put Memphis to some degree in that boat too, just because mm. I'm like, ah, it seems like their guys just always are kind of good. Like, how is that possible? It's like, yeah, maybe, maybe they're just better when they're there. And, and arguably, the biggest concern or the thing that you would go into a, a trade scenario like that would be, hey, if I hold them until the deadline, then I flip them for something great. But if I have a concern that from now until the deadline, his value is going to diminish coming from Memphis into our right. system, we have a lot of things going on here already with young players, whatever then I'm actually a little bit concerned that I'm going to end up taking pennies on the dollar for a guy knowing that I don't want to bring him back in the offseason. So fair to bring that up in terms of it um, because it's one of the first names that we're really starting to see thrown out there, specifically that makes sense. You mentioned guard play sure. for the Brooklyn Nets. Coming up here in a second, we'll talk about the prospects that the Nets are targeting here. Doug will reiterate why the coaching staff kind of tells you, in theory, where the Nets are going. All right, before we get to that, can I tell you about our friends over at FanDuel? Baseball is in full swing. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's what new customers are going to get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Like I mentioned baseball, and look, you can get over on FanDuel and just slice and dice baseball any single way you want to, just home runs, strikeout props, first outs. Like I mean, like they really have everything you could ever imagine. Like you think you you think you know about baseball? Go over to FanDuel and see if you can figure out all the different things that are going on with each one of these games. You'll get lost in it in a good way, by the way. Uh, you can just be able to figure all this stuff out. But we talked about this yesterday about where the odds were going with the NBA draft. This is why you have to be on FanDuel all the time. This stuff's already changed. Already, Olivier Maxson's Prosper moved into that top 20. We were uh, mentioning some of these guys. Um, Leonard Miller dropped it a little bit. Uh, Podziemski got in there in the top 20. What I'm saying here is go over to FanDuel and start figuring out the NBA draft. Forget these mock drafts. Go over to FanDuel and figure out the mock drafts. They, they got it all figured out because it's all there in the form of odds. Go visit our friends over at FanDuel for a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. When you join FanDuel today, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on like our network, to sign up FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. So here's the deal. 
as the draft night approaches. Late what I find a- for myself, Doug, from a prospect standpoint, I start to fall out of love with guys. Like <laughs> you, you get to a point, there's the list of players that I really like, and there's and and it turns out a lot of them are the ones that you want to move up the board for because the guys closer to the top are usually better. Uh, but but my list is shaping in different ways. Like you said, you inundate yourself with so many conversations and podcasts and coverage that you do try to cobble it all together to get some sense of players that you think you would enjoy being on the team and you think can develop. Is that the, Does it feel like that for you at all? Because when we look in around 21 and 22, specifically right now, before we talk about going up, there, there's three, four guys that I, I think I would get that lump in my throat if the Brooklyn Nets drafted them and just say, Okay, like let's let's see where this goes from here rather than being excited about a positional need that they fill. I'll just put it in classifications here. I'll say that as long as they're not like one dimensional bigs, right? Like like single (laughs) dimension, single dimensional center types or like 23 years old and have not shown tons of promise or like. I'll, outside of those guys, I can probably talk myself into just about anyone they go for in this range. Does that mm. make sense? Uh, yeah, like, it, but it's just those specifically two types of guys. And I'm not, I mean, Chris Murray, I guess, fits into that mold. I mean, to some degree, Clowney does, right? Like, I, and maybe not even totally, but like the, those are, the, I feel like if I was to be deflated on draft night, it'd be like that mm. archetype of player. If it was yeah. young and just, the sky's the limit, but the basement's pretty deep. <laughs> like, I think I'd be, I'm fine with that. Right. I, mm-hmm. um, if it's, even if it's like Jet Howard, I'm like, Hey, you do one thing really well. Maybe you do two things really well or two and a half things really well. And we can even dream on that. I, I think it's mostly just right. like these other archetypes, like slow plotting or old. And we kind of see, have seen the whole bag. I think those are the guys that I would be. Does that make sense? I, I'm yeah. trying not to like no. distill down the just the specific guys, even though I did name a couple guys. No, I think I think you're right because the age factor is always again. You think about well, you can be a little bit older, and if you're NBA ready, that's okay. But if you're NBA ready, that's for a team of a certain model that the Brooklyn Nets don't need to be right now, right? So you'd prefer the younger guy, the more upside guy. And then that individual, we've, we've mentioned Derek Lively before, just because he's like the pure center that gets listed here and he's further up the board. But is that thing where you go, okay, like, and, and you've always made this point for the last couple of years now. If you're centered around, if you're center centric, that can be a problem. Not that the Nets would be that, but it's hard to get excited sometimes about those prospects. I'll say well, you can be a center if it's like Jokic or well, yeah. Giannis, <laughs> right? Like, right. like well, if, you if you're a, like, like kind of a unicorn center and then it's good, right? If you're a center like those two guys, then sure, draft as many centers as you want. But right. when you're not, if you don't have elite court vision or like you just barrel into the lane because you're the primary ball handler kind of center, I, like, so I just wanted to make that distinction. Yes. If you are traditionally center based, other of, of like the old school model, that's, that's what I don't want. Jokic, sure. I'll take, yeah. I'll take the Jokic. Jokic. You have Jokic? I'll take a Jokic, um, yeah. which I've heard. Listen, rumor Denver, they're shopping them. Um, yeah. they got the job done championship. What else do you need? The, so, and I'll, I'll mention, uh, Keontae George specifically, and this isn't even about him. It's about, it's about buyer, buyer, of fear around a player that has certain things attached to him in terms of descriptors that Cam Thomas did. It's, mm-hmm. Hey, listen, he's a bucket getter. He's a microwave score. It's excellent. But 
the concern around that being a volume production and about whether or not he can fit into a system, whether or not he can acclimate and start to be someone that helps facilitate, that helps set the table, whatever the role is that's desired there. And in that regard, for me anyway, and we, we, I feel like we skirted past this, the coaching staff hires are all developmental hires in terms of the talent and wanting to bring young guys along. I can read that one of two ways when it comes to Cam Thomas or someone of that ilk, maybe Keontae George, of saying, well, Cam Thomas, we haven't gotten him fully there. And maybe that's our fault. Maybe our coaching staff wasn't doing a good enough job. That means that I already have a model of that player and I want to look elsewhere. If I'm looking at Keontae George, then I feel like I can get him the rest of the way. Like I trust the organization to have a sense of what the best value is going to be. But I also think, as we've talked about throughout this episode, Dorian Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neal, packaging of picks. I just, the world where you can get yourself two guys from 14 to 18 through a myriad of moves, that just feels stronger to me. Young guys, whether the, the upside, how ready they are in this moment, it's just get the best possible player you can through these combination of moves and then let the coaching staff develop them. And I feel, I feel like the Nets would be better suited getting into the teams here than sitting at 21 and 22 because while they could work out it's just gettable it's obtainable it feels like it feels like it's obtainable to go get better players and and i think there's no denying that that crop of talent is better five six picks higher up the board right now well of course right they're they're gonna be picked higher so that's not i don't like that's not a hot take but maybe Derek whitehead being maybe Derek whitehead's my outlier where if you're sitting in the 20s and you get whitehead he's probably been the guy that we've talked about that i go I do kind of like where his game can go from here, and he just doesn't seem to be getting that same buzz, although he has moved up. I, I, look, I, I would definitely want to consolidate, if possible, to move up the draft just by degrees. I think there is a sort of a drop-off here right around 18, 19, right? I think, like, I think we can agree like there's a, there's a tier that ends right around 9 or 10, yep. and then there's another tier that sits probably right around to 18, although this is still pretty fluid. Uh, so I'd be all about I'd be all about consolidating that. And look, the, and we mentioned this before earlier in the p- podcast, just to say it this way, the Nets, if you look at the way the Nets have constructed their coaching staff right now, they are in player development mode very much here. I mean, like all their coaching hires have been player development guys like Kevin Ollie, uh, Ronnie Burrell from uh, from Long Island Nets. I mean, obviously, uh, Ollie, obviously from overtime elite. Uh, they hired Jay Hernandez. Um, they're going to they going to I think they're going to finalize Adam Caporn on the staff. And are going to promote him. I mean, these are all, these aren't like life or end of the bench guys who've been working in with NBA teams for years and years and years. I mean, these are younger up and coming player development guys for the most part, right? Um, little mix and match that signals a team that like wants to make this a core focus. Now, maybe that's all they could hire. I got, I'm not sure, but <laughs> right. the, but they, they let Igor go. I mean, like they've moved on from some of these other dudes that were sort of like in that mold or they had the, or they moved on themselves. So getting high quality, adaptable, um, you know, maybe projectable talent here in the draft could work really well with this staff, mm-hmm. right? And if you can just move up a few spots because those guys have just a few more tools that can be molded into like real, maybe elite players down the line because you have the right guys, then yes, it's totally worth it to do. I have a question of actually – well, respond to that, and then I have one more question about the draft, which I think is just like a funny sort of like mental hurdle that's sometimes hard to clear. Go ahead. But then, I know, what I, do you I, think about that? 
I think you're on the, I think you're on the right I think you're on the right track and I also think that from a Nets organization standpoint you are bringing up some coaches rewarding them within the organization that by the way have been working with some of your current young talent right so if you want to Dayron Sharp right Cam Thomas you talk about and then by the way you've even had a couple of younger guys that have been there I mean we we mentioned you know Raquan Gray at the back end of things I don't think he has a real future per se with the Nets but if you think about wanting to now serve both purposes of trying to be competitive and develop players. This is the moment where you can do what the Nets did prior to the superstar era or when the superstars were getting hurt and they flooded the NBA with a wave of their young guys and they won a handful of games with only Kevin Durant and it was exciting. Like you're going to have a lot of opportunities to do evaluation throughout the upcoming year and years. So I think it makes a lot of sense. Yes, hit me with your question. Okay, so does it is it weird to this is like always the time when it's the, I think the hardest to stick to your guns around like your original ideas, uh, especially around okay. like mock drafts and stuff like that. Does it throw you off? And I was actually just going back and looking at our Keontae George notes because he's one of the guys that we did together. And I wrote down Cam Thomas as a as a comp at the mm-hmm. time, and we kind of you know kind of spoke to sort of what his flaws were and sort of what his upside was. I'm gonna, ch- but I, but we were like, I think we were like, oh, you know, will we move up for him? Probably not, but um. You know, be, be okay like if, he, he's there, if you'd right. be okay if he fell. Okay, so there's that. Now I'm seeing him mocked in some places where he does fall to the nets. Does it make you <laughs> worried about a situation when the guy used to be higher and now has fallen to your thing? Even though like you were fine. Yep. You were fine. And I've and the other there's another guy that goes the other way with this, but like you you were fine. You're like, yeah, 14. If, if he fell to the Nets, that'd be amazing. But now that he's projected in that range, you're like, ugh. Like, do you get that feeling? Because I have another guy that goes the opposite way in this. But do you, oh, does that course. make sense, the feeling I'm describing? Of course, because it's like, it's, it's uh, I don't know, whatever. It's like, you know, go, going, to, going out to a restaurant and everyone's like, ooh, I'll have the cheesecake. I'll have the strawberry upside down turnover. And then they're like, and they're like, yo, yeah, I really think actually, you know what? Maybe not the cheesecake so much. And everyone starts pushing back their slice as you're just about to reach for it. Like there's just a buyer beware. All of a sudden it it instantly comes into you of like, why, why is he falling? Why don't people like him? What must be something? Everyone must be hearing something. And then just by default, because the nets were there and they weren't able to make the trade-ups, right? They weren't able to go get the guy they wanted. It's like, well, the talent, you know, he's in the range, so we'll take a shot. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, so then the other, so then the other version of this going the other way, because I was just looking at a couple of different drafts. Uh, I won't say where this one is; doesn't matter. But uh, this one has Jet Howard going 13. So all of a sudden, this guy that we're like, ah, oh, Jet Howard, you know, if he if he's at 21, let's see what, like that, you know, now. So what does now, it say? Hold on. Now, so what does it say about me, right? That when the guy is falling, I'm like, ah, oh, Jesus, like, okay. But when the guy I didn't like is rising, I'm like, shame on you if you take him. Like, okay, I, interesting. I get more okay, that's fine. That's good because, well, because, you know, theoretically in, in situations like that, that benefits the Nets, right? Because, like, if a guy that wasn't supposed to go there goes ahead, that means a guy that you like gets pushed down. It's just like yes, by the yes. law of, you know, um, the, the transitive property just means that, like, if the, one guy replaces them, then so, then that's just a guy that you didn't like, and the guy you like theoretically drops another thing, and then you have one yep. more chance to get him. So I'm, I'm there for that because I sometimes get thrown. I'm like, well, something I used to say, what did I miss? Like that's where I think. Like I'm like, right. but then, but but that's just you know, look, this is like these some of these things are fleeting, and and that's. But I just thought it was a funny. I was just looking at this one mock draft, and I was like, this one's just huh. opposite on these two guys, and I was like, I'm having this moment inside of myself where I'm thinking a certain thing. 
And by the way, and I, I think this is also this could also be informative. Um, Jed Howard, who we said feels like a guy that's NBA ready, to, but has this very limited type of skill set. Well, that yeah. makes more sense for teams that feel like they're ready to compete now. So he might go higher or sooner, right? Whereas a guy like Keontae George, some questions you're not sure. Well, a little further back, we're not looking to compete in this moment. We can try to develop and work with a player like that. I'm going to close out, and you do whatever you like, Doug. That's your choice. I'm going to close out by saying I'm going to do this tomorrow, too. I'm going to do this all, all, all until the draft. My ideal scenario in this moment right now, the trades unfold, the picks get moved and shuffled, and the Brooklyn Nets are able to, and this is maybe dreaming at the first one, able to get Hendricks. If, they, if he gets to 10 and Dallas is willing to talk, they get that. And then I actually think Kobe Bufkin might be the guy to fill that backcourt need right now that fits the mold, the mentality, the personality the Nets might be looking for. I'm going to put those two names down in firm pencil here on a Tuesday evening. All right, I'm all for it. As long as it's not Noah Clowney, uh, um, it's going to be Clowney now. And then you can do the, and then you can do the interview with him on the undrafted. And they can't. Okay. Go, uh, now my co-host had something he wanted me to say. What was it? <laughs> All right, we're going to get out of here. As a reminder, Adam's going to be at the draft uh, at Barclays starting Wednesday and then into Thursday. So it's a two-day event there for him. So make sure you are tuned in to what we got going on. We'll be live on YouTube a bunch. Uh, definitely live on Thursday, uh, in and around the draft, and then definitely during the draft. So make sure you are. Uh, subscribe to Locked On Nets over YouTube. There's going to be the regular podcast. That's just going to be the one podcast. The YouTube is going to be where all the extra stuff is. So make sure we had a bunch of subscribers. So people are definitely into this. Got to be into this now. Go make sure you subscribe to Locked On Nets over on YouTube. My challenge when I came back was to face the young talent, dissect their game, and show them maybe that they needed to learn more about the game than just the money aspect. That is Mike Jordan. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.